0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring,
1: boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You you still have pro man run around tight man it's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Salt Lamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball
2: Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford.
1: The one-o. Swing in a drive! Sucked down. the Win the game! Pablo!
2: Pablo! There you go. Home run call of the day. Pablo Reyes. Walk-off Grand Slam. Dave O'Brien and Nesson on the call. Excellent job. Speaking of announcers and being excellent, Kevin Brown of the Orioles. This poor one out for him. I mean, the world of baseball is all over the Orioles. The feel-good story of baseball so far, that team Taking a step back, no fault of any of the players, no fault of most of the people in the organization, the fault of just one bad decision, and that is the one that suspended Kevin Brown, the announcer, for basically just saying what the facts were, uh, which is... A, a, some negative stats about the Orioles and, and we're going to, I think, dive deeper into this In the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast in the coming days Because I think it's worthy of it Much like the brawl, the brouhaha the other day When timely stuff happens, we have timely podcasts Well, speaking of timely podcasts You are going to find a timelier podcast than the one today Matt Spiegel, 670, the score of the PBP podcast that talks to all the broadcasters, the, they're the best broadcasters from around the great game of baseball. And just a great overall guy, a perfect guy to dive into the chaos that is Chicago baseball the the good times of the cubs the cubs who are currently one game out of the wild card but just the other day and we taped this uh the day before yesterday and they were in the playoffs they were they had they reached the wild card berth the third wild card but they're going to be in it i think they've shown and, and it's just a feel good story as you're going to hear there's nothing better than having a good Cubs team in Chicago for the last couple months of summer, last couple months of the season. Well, across town obviously it's not the case. The White Sox, they've been struggling all the live long day, all year long. Just a dysfunctional mess. Let's just be honest with it. And that just, it was amped up with the Words from Keenan Middleton, Keenan Middleton, and Jesse Rogers of ESPN. I'm going to read you this quote from Keenan Middleton. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Like, how do you say anything because there are no rules? You have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing uh, pitching fielding practice, and there are no consequences for any of this stuff. Well. It set off a firestorm. Uh, again, just a lot of, of crazy stuff coming out about the White Sox. Certainly Shane Rorden of the 670 to Score, the producer for Matt Spiegel show, he came out with another report and it had to do with uh, confrontation between Yasman Yasmanny Grindal and Tim Anderson. Of course, you have the Tim Anderson Brawl the other day with Jose Ramirez, which we're going to get into with Matt Spiegel. It's just a mess. But like I said, I mean, there's a lot to pick through, and there's probably going to be more to come out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I know that there was blood in the water yesterday. Certainly, there was blood in the water when it came. Once the the voices start being heard, starting with Middleton's, then everyone's looking, and this is not a functional organization right now. This is not a functional situation. I do. We've had Pedro Grafalo on the podcast. And, you know, from for me, not only because he was on the podcast, but because just knowing the people who know him, who have dealt with him, I know that he's doing his absolute best, his first-year manager. I think this is more of a case of stepping into a situation that is a whole lot more difficult to change than just being a different voice you know so anyway like i guess said this is a great time to dive in to the most chaotic baseball city in the world right now and that is chicago the cubs the white Sox, and we get into a little bit of the little broadcasting talk because like i said matt has a great podcast about baseball broadcasting pbp all right subscribe rate review At BB isn't boring. Twitter account, Instagram account. You can also get the gear. As we said, we have Dodger color t-shirt. Baseball is a boring t-shirt coming that you're away. The book, A Damn Near Perfect Game, written by former White Sox pitcher and now current Dodger pitcher who struck out the side last night in San Diego, Joe Kelly and myself. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff going on. But there's no better time and no better conversation to be had than with Matt Spiegel talking about the great game of baseball and the great city of Chicago. All right, the great Matt Spiegel of so many famous things. The, um, the, the wildly popular podcast, PBP, Voices of Baseball. It's, uh, it's awesome. First of all, Matt. Matt, how are you? Good.
1: I'm I'm great, man. I'm uh, I'm very good. Thank you. The wildly popular Rob Bradford.
2: Oh I, I, my goodness. I, you're I, you're everywhere. I, I'm I'm places. You know, I'm available for mediocrity. It's on the business card. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're we're both, you know, we're both in the heart of it. And you're doing a great job with the podcast. I really love it. Um, and obviously the 670 the score in Chicago, it's just I see from afar what you guys do there and it's just so impressive and it was so awesome just being able to see the inside of the the belly of the beast there too, back when uh back when uh, my co-author actually well lived there and pitched there. Um, which we I I I said this, Matt. So, you know, when Joe got traded, when Joe Kelly got traded, I said, Yeah, the great thing is is that I got a chance to meet so many people like yourself. I think it on a different level, which I hadn't really, wouldn't have really got a chance to meet. I'm b- perfectly honest with you. So, uh, so I felt very, very, uh, happy, although it was, a, it was a wild ride, as you know, the Joe Kelly Chicago White Sox experience and the White Sox experience as a whole was a wild ride all the way up until the trade deadline. But, uh, but it is, I just want to say that. So yeah, thank oh, you. Uh,
1: well, that, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, thank you. I, uh, I really enjoyed um, all the times we got to hang, and I remember that day that we kind of just started talking in the back of the White Sox um, press box, and I was just like peppering you with, like, "All right, so yeah, you're doing this and you're doing that. How are you doing that?" And we were talking, and then I was trying to give context on the White Sox, and Kelly had just gotten there, and yeah, my my perception is um, good for Joe for escaping this freaking mess right when he did and now he's reunited with like 2018 world series team buddies with mookie uh right and and uh who else is out there Uh, oh yeah mookie
2: Mookie, Mookie, jd uh brazier
1: jd yeah
2: jd yeah Yeah, brazier right it's like
1: he's reunited He's, he's 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 there with the one of the best organizations in all of professional sports again um and he doesn't have to be part of uh a really dysfunctional, embarrassing White Sox mess. That <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy, man. Like it, it, it. They found August relevance after the deadline. They found it.
2: I was going to say, I you know, Joe is absolutely. He couldn't have found a better landing spot. Which was, by the way, it was, it was a great, it was a great podcast we did. I'm doing a podcast with Ryan Brazier, and the tray goes down in the middle of it, and. And so I text Joe and I said, "Hey, Dodgers," and he immediately called. So now I'm in the middle of this podcast. I'm trying to very, very poorly patch them together. But yes. you know, he had he didn't know about it. Uh, it. It was just a it was a chaotic time. But my point was is that he landed in a good spot, but Matt he missed out on the the uh, the straight ball right down the middle for him, which is a bench clearing brawl. <laughs> now, he may have got hurt as you know, he 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 hurt his groin last time you guys had like a, anything like when he ran in from the bullpen. Yeah. But still, you know, you know how he enjoys such things. And and this is what I'm going to jump to. And we'll talk a lot about the Cubs. And, and but we I do want to talk about this fight. And you know, one of the things that jumped to the, when I went and looked at it, Matt, and I compared it to the Odor Batista fight because. Those, I uh, you can correct me. Which other ones, recent recent memory, did you actually have fist to face?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that that's a commonality for sure, as well as Elvis Andrus being shortstop yes. that night, and yes. then Elvis Andrus being second base the night of the T.A. and uh, and Jose Ramirez fight. So yeah, uh, d- d- definitely both fisticuffs. T.A. looking like the Notre Dame. Uh, little oh little
2: yeah, John there. L. Sullivan. Yeah, there. He, let's
1: go. <laughs> Right. Bare knuckle brawling. And how about Malachi Moore, the second base umpire being like, all right, oh, we're doing this. We're fighting now. Okay. <laughs> and he, he like he backed away and got his Mills lane on for a minute. You know, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm ready to go. So and, uh, uh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. It's just, it, I mean, the whole thing was so, so ugly and so sad, but that's probably just because I know too much. It was entertaining, but it's sad because I know too much.
2: Well, so, so, breaking it down so I went back to the odor Batista fight and you go back at that fight so odor punches Batista yeah, yeah and then the entire Blue Jays team chases odor right and Beltre pulls up uh, around Batista uh-huh. then you flash forward to this fight and Matt I I must have gone back like three or four times watch like am I seeing this nobody did anything no Matt, Kopech, Kopech, grabbed Ramirez and pulled him, uh, pulled him away. And as, as he was going down, Ramirez get the punch off and and decked Anderson. But, and then, but sorry, Kopech broke off. And I'm going to say this, and I like Michael that I, I, (laughs) with Michael's history, with Kopech's history, with his body being held on, like how it is, and also breaking his hand in a fight before. Okay. You know what? You pulled him off, step aside, let other people do the work. But Matt, like, nobody else did anything the guy just got laid out nobody did anything
1: yeah it was it was really sad man like and if you really watch the first um you know the first couple of minutes of what ended up being a 14 minute delay and a melee there's a bunch of different people taking turns trying to hold tim anderson back and none of them really looked like they wanted the job And you know how this works. Like Those are supposed to be the people that support you, the people that love you and have your back, the people that maybe you respect and you trust. First up was Andrew Vaughn, who feels like he's been here 10 minutes, but now that everybody's been traded and Rick Hahn said, well, maybe Andrew Vaughn will be a leader in the second half. Uh, Andrew Vaughn had a look on his face like, I guess I'm supposed to do this. And then it was Daryl Boston who should be that guy as a first base coach, but that didn't work. Then Yasmani Grandal in full catcher's gears trying to hold him off. And then it's another one and another one. And T.A. just wouldn't leave the field, Um, Mm. I think, partially because he was concussed. Dude was knocked out cold and he was embarrassed and concussed and was trying to get back. And eventually he gets forced into the dugout and into the clubhouse. And like six minutes later, he comes sprinting back out. He wants some more. And that's when Andrew Vaughn picked him up with a bear hug and carried him like 30 yards to get him back um, there to the dugout. But it was it was just so, so ugly. And, you know, after the game, Pedro Grifol is basically saying nothing. White Sox manager. It was a nice guy, but feeling overwhelmed and has been overwhelmed and saying, I'll let MLB sort that out. And meanwhile, the guy you know well, the guy who I think is the best manager in the game, Terry Francona, is the OG just laying it out there, exactly (laughs) what happened, completely comfortable talking about it. You know what I mean? So, like, the White Sox lost that fight to Cleveland in four rounds. Like, first, T.A. went down. He got knocked down. That's 10-8 in round one. Round two is the coaches yelling at each other. And Grifo uh, got embarrassed by DeMarlo Hale and more. That's another 10-9 round. And then Eloy Jimenez gets hurt. Nobody stepped on his foot. <laughs> I mean, that's another lost round. And then in post-game, they lost again. So four rounds, <laughs> all of them went to Cleveland. Well,
2: as, as I said, like I'm looking, and you know, you're looking at this scrum of people, and you're saying, Yeah, is there anyone you, you, there's always a couple of feisty pre-people who, yeah. who are jumping in. I'm like, okay, who's that person going to be? Who's that person going to be? Yeah. And oh, there's some action. Oh, no, it's, it's Jimenez. It's Elio Jimenez Olympic out of the pile. That, no, that's that's not anybody. So, right. uh, but
1: I mean. you know what it reminded me of, Rob? There, there's a video that went viral last year when Tim Anderson made the All Star team, and is when Tony LaRusso was still there, and everybody knew that room was dead, right? Mm-hmm. It, the vibes were terrible. And you should ask Joe about this because he was there. Um, but like Tim Anderson gets announced as an all-star by Joe McEwing, the third base coach, Joe McEwing, or maybe bench coach at the time. And like three players clapped. Like the energy was dead in the room, and it was sad. Like that 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 thing is broken. I don't think it's all TA being a bad guy. I know he's got his problems and he's got his issues, but just that whole place is I've watched it progressively turn more and more rotten for like three years. It's a, It's been a damn shame.
2: So when you look at that, he wasn't traded, which, I mean, I guess you just say, well, he has another year of control, right?
1: Yeah, they got an option. I think it's at 14 mil. They have a team. Yeah, option. so
2: maybe it's one of these, uh, you know, we're hoping for the best. So, you know, we can't trade every, everybody. If we don't get the price, we're not going to get the price. But when you look at what the White Sox did, and we've talked about this with both, you know, on the air, off the air, whatever. It's like that, that whole thing needed an enema. Like I'm the times that I had been in there, I could see that. And yeah. I don't, and I, and I and like you said, I like Pedro Grafal. Joe liked Pedro Grafal. He likes Pedro Grafal. And yeah. and I just but it was such a weird dynamic. And so now you started that change and you've got out a bunch of guys who tried to turn this over. But man, this is like the from from going from what I thought was the most talented team in the Central, picking them in the Central to this, well, how do you fix this?
1: Yeah, well, you know, you know what, you know what I think they're going to do is that for the duration of Jerry Reinsdorf's ownership here, they're going to go back to what the M.O. was before they pivoted in 2012 with a full-on rebuild. And if anybody wants to think of 2012 and before, it includes a 2005 World Series. It includes a lot of other stuff. Kenny Williams always would go for it. Remember all those dead yeah. where yes. They were right on the edge and he would buy yes. at every single one of them yeah. because prospects were suspects, he said, you know, all of that. And people loved that. And Jerry loved that. It just stopped working. And then you saw all around the game, People were tearing it down to the studs and doing rebuilds and coming back and winning like the Astros and like the Cubs and others. So, so Rick Hahn convinced Jerry to do that. But now that it's done, look what they've kept, man. I yeah. mean, it, it, they've, they've got Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and Andrew Benintendi in the outfield. They probably have Tim Anderson and Yuan Moncada and Andrew Vaughn on the infield. So, what's so they'll fill second base. Yeah. they fill for a decade. They'll, they'll fill catcher, and they actually just traded for two because they loaded up on prospects, right. a couple of yeah. good deals. Yeah. So maybe the AAA kid they got from Houston will be the catcher. We'll see. Um, they got a, a pitcher from um, – they got Jake oh, – the Dod-
2: They got the kid from, no, from the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, Nastrini, N- 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 yeah. yeah. But I think he's a little young, but the 24-year-old they got from the Marlins for Jake Berger might be in the rotation next year, along with Kopech and Cease. They'll spend some money on a free agent pitcher, so they're just going to try and piece it together and see if they're good enough to win eighty-five games and and win that crap ass division. And maybe they will. But yeah. the point is, that was their mo every single year before they started the tear down and build up.
2: <laughs> was there anything that surprised you from the deadline? Guys who were dealt, guys who weren't dealt.
1: Berger surprised me. Oh Berger's yeah, that su- has to be right. Man, it, it, he was part of what what felt like a systematic removal of likability from that team you know it's like who's likable giolito we're not gonna sign him you know who who else kendall graven's a good dude solid man good human well better send him on his way and then you know who's fun is the kid who tore his acl or his uh what is achilles twice And started the year in the minors and now has 25 homers with a great smile and a great mustache and a a fun story and an active wife on social media. Like one of the few fan favorite things all year long. And there goes Jake Berger. It's like, oh, my God. But I get it. They got a good young pitcher. We'll see. People think it's a steal.
2: Yeah, I was I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And, and the um, is he, my interactions with him. He's a great guy, but you know, listen. I mean, you got to turn everything over. It was funny, you know. I was talking. This comes back to Joe again, but you know, I was talking about the uh, like bleeding. First of all, um, he didn't know he he couldn't get traded on the IL, so he's on the IL, right? So we're texting him. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You coming off the? He's like, I got better. I'm like, well, you know, you can get traded off the IL. You can. And so he comes back, strikes out the side, and then he has that that one that outing uh, against the Cubs, where I think that you had a great tweet. Well, it was I uh,
1: uh, said that he is like uh, dependable chaos. Dependable
2: chaos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's just.
1: Dude, it's, yeah. I know it's your it's your guy. There, there's always there's like three balks a year, you know. Dude gets gets pitch clock violations before innings begin.
2: Well, how about you know, the games against Red Sox where he sprinted off the mound? With <laughs> no no rhyme or reason. But but he uh, but I said, oh yeah, you know I got a text from uh, executive. He's like, oh yeah, he didn't have a very good showcase against the Cubs. He's like, no. The first one was a Joe case. That was a showcase. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there you go.
1: Yeah, so, no, I gotta, I gotta mine you for secrets sometime. Okay. I, I'm sure that Joe told you some stuff that you haven't told me that would be useful in my Chicago news breaking <laughs> uh, endeavors. But uh, I'll, I'll ply you with a beverage
2: sometime. No, that's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it like I said, I might uh, honestly being around, following the White Sox. <laughs> no. I obviously like have to cover the Red Sox, but I follow the White Sox. You know, every single day when you I do, bet, you know, you look at the Amazon rankings about whether or not Joe's doing well or what's going on with Joe, what's going on with the White Sox, and then being around the White Sox and meeting some of those guys and meeting you guys, it's, it was just cool. It was just cool, but it also was eye opening to holy crap, this is an absolute mess. But you know, but the team that isn't the mess, you're very fortunate. I am. I mean, this is – the Cubs are one of the best stories. So when I was in Chicago, the Red Sox were in there. It was right after the All-Star break. And if you told me that we'd be sitting right here where the Cubs are back then, I'm like, you're nuts. I remember Jed Hoyer did the press conference, uh, the the out-of-the-All-Star break press conference in the dugout, and the thing he kept leaning on was run differential. He's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're X games back, but the run differential. And he said, and he said, we're not putting up a banner for run differential, which is good. But he kept, you could tell there was still hope even after those games.
1: Yeah. You know, because the run differential is the public indicator that they use, but they've got four or five private indicators, statistically, things that they've built, algorithms, where like, they they strip away as much of what they think is luck as possible and say, are we hitting it hard or are our pitchers letting them hit it hard? Are defensively, are we turning ground balls into outs? Are, 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 you know, are other teams doing that against us? All that kind of stuff. They thought they were better than their record all year long. They that was a consistent message that came out of them. And that's why he leaned on run differential, because that one's public and you can see mm. they thought they were better than their win-loss record. And finally, at like the very last time that they could prove it with wins and losses and change their minds, change the bosses' minds, they did. They rattled off that eight games in a row, that eight wins in a row, and Jed said fully after the deadline, this team showed that they deserved our investment. They were going to be sellers. They were going to trade Bellinger. They were going to trade Strowman. Probably would have traded Fulmer or any other bullpen piece, maybe Julian Merriweather. They would have done that. But then they rattled off eight in a row, and it was that night of the Mike Talkman catch in St. Louis to win the game following a big comeback against the White Sox the night before. They were down 7-2 and won it, I think, 10-7 or 10-8. And, it, and Jed literally said, yeah, those two games. So you know what that means? Put it in your back pocket, people. Like sometimes when they say, oh, you know, one game over 162 doesn't mean that much. Oh, yes, it oh, did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It Hell totally yeah. did. And it made them pivot. It made them change direction. And then they made their deals and they keep playing well. As we talk here, they just took took two out of three from Atlanta after taking three out of four and from Right Cincinnati. now
2: in the wild card. And in, in uh at the beginning of because you know, a lot of these people love to default to uh playoff percentage with the fan graphs. Let's Google yeah. fan graphs, MLB playoff percentage. We went through this in Boston just recently when Hein Bloom. Said they were underdogs. Like, well, he's like, I guess if you go by fan graphs playoff percent, sure. Yeah, but if, if you go by like standings and record against good teams and and how you've been playing, like, I don't think so. Anyway, Cubs. I looked this up the other day at the beginning of July. They were six percent, Matt. Six percent. I think right now they're over fifty percent.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um. So I mean, goodness i uh sorry about that, got distracted from a text uh from the wife um is everything all right we, everything we, okay. yeah no it, it, it it's all good. you can edit this out and post, you can clean yeah. it up with your brilliant skills <laughs> you um yeah no there things have come together. there is a very powerful thing that's going on with this offense, and you see they're number one in m l b in scoring since the All-Star break. They're number one in OPS. They're number one in stolen bases. Like, it, it's it's amazing. So where is this come from? And I know there's some big games in there, the 20-run game and the 16-run game back-to-back. Those two will do wonders for your numbers since the break. But what they have is they have a superstar in Bellinger who is the kind of hitter that Theo and Jed wanted everybody to be. They wanted Schwarber to be like this. They wanted Javi and... And and Rizzo and KB, which is able to be a contact bat, be Tony Gwynn with hmm. two strikes. But before then, go ahead and swing for the fences and hit some bombs. Like, have those kind of different tools in the bag. Bellinger's got all of that yeah, right now. He's good. Yeah, all, and, and what he's got right now. I mean you could you could whatever the situation demands that guy he's going the other way for two run singles when they need it he's 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 making contact against a great swing and miss guy you know his swing and miss numbers are are lower than they've than they've been in years his he's hitting like over 350 against lefties he's hitting 290 with two strikes it's outrageous and when you see your superstar doing that Everybody else is doing that, has a willingness, a selfless willingness to do whatever the situation demands. And they everybody's hitting with their heads and they're not trying to do too much, one after another after another. It's a it's a beautiful thing to watch this offense. Right well,
2: now. Uh, well, and then you get Candelario, and, and that's what I want to ask you about. So in, you know, we both follow baseball for a while and we try to get the secret sauce about what is impactful, at the deadline, and what isn't. And and once again, you know, we I think it depends on the team. It depends on the fit. Uh, You look up and down the standings right now. You have Arizona who, you know, they made moves. They've lost six in a row. Yep. You have the Reds. They didn't make moves. They've lost six in a row.
1: Oh, and they deserve it, man. The night they didn't trade for a starting pitcher is when they got lit up for 20 runs at Wrigley. They deserve it.
2: I know. There are a couple teams. Well, the Red Sox being another one. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? But so there's no, what I'm saying is there's no guarantees, but from your perspective with the Cubs, when it's proclaimed, it was a pretty like short amount of time that two happened. We're pro- proclaiming that we're not trading these guys. And then we're, then we're going to trade for one of the best bats in the market. Yeah. Was that, was that like a very real thing? Like, okay, let's go. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, and and it is carried over to a bunch of other things. They they made a move towards aggression. And and you could tell Trey Mancini got designated for assignment. They decided that their best nine is Candelario at first, which lets him play Madrigal, who's actually been great defensively at third. And his bat, eh, I got my questions, but they like the, the contact and they like to put him at nine and have that kind of double leadoff thing. Um Candelario at first means that Bellinger's got to play center, means that Mike Talkman, who's one of the best stories of their season, has to play right. And Seiya Suzuki, who they signed for $75 million, is on the bench against righties. So that is, and they're like, well, you know, we we don't have time to let you try and figure it out. We're trying to win games and get to the playoffs. So there's a a collective aggression that's gone on. Um, They went out, they got one reliever, uh, Jose Quas from Kansas City, thought maybe they'd get more, but they they they're just they're really going for it, and the lineups are better. There's no more experimentation. It feels like Ross and Hoyer together are really putting their best nine out there uh, for the matchup every single night without fail.
2: Well, didn't David uh, didn't Ross say that? He basically said, "Listen, we're every game. Every game, where this is, we're we're in it. Where this is, this is nut crunching time. This is playoff time. This is we yes. are we are playing for the long haul anymore, which." Which, honestly, you know, I think in in the world of baseball, you don't hear that a lot in early August. And I love it. And, and, and I think you should do it, especially in this landscape, Matt, in the American League and the National League, where you have a bunch of teams, maybe more than ever, hanging on the cliff here by the, a thread. And, you know, all it takes is a bad week and you're yeah. off the cliff.
1: Yeah, I saw, I saw this stat just after the deadline that 19 out of 30 teams had had a 26% chance of making the playoffs or more. 19 teams. That's this new playoff format, right? Yeah. And most of them went for it. Seattle didn't. Right, traded Paul Seawald, but Jerry Depoto's weird, right? Like sometimes he goes two directions at once. Yeah, but sometimes. you know, you know, what? I
2: give him, and I give him credit because he sold knowing that I assume he knew or had an inkling that he might have enough. In other words, to to replace the closer.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. They, they, they have other good arms. They have other yeah. good arms there. It was the rumor of Teoscar Hernandez and uh, and, uh, and um it was a, a JP or, or Ty France. Yeah, Ty France, like that would have been a lot. Um, there's my son in the back of the frame. All right, getting the water, Ruben. That's Rob. Say hey. Yeah, all
2: right, go Cubs. <laughs> Is he <a> Cubs
1: fan? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a point of contention in this house. I think he kind of likes the White Sox more, tell you the truth. But don't tell my wife, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, but anyway, so 19 teams with a 26% chance or more, and most of them did go for it. And And you know what? The two weeks leading up to the deadline felt like must win every night I know. because of, of, of what was at stake. And now since then it's felt like must win every night. And you've been there, Rob, you know, I mean, there's very few places like it. It's the energy at Wrigley. I was just going to say
2: that. I was just going to say that. It's like it, it for, for, listen, we, we're, we love what's good for business. <laughs> I said this A time of game, what's good for business. Yeah. Um. But wow. Like, Getting getting to August in September with the Cubs being in it for you guys, it, it, it's what, the best. What, Yeah, it's the best.
1: Absolutely.
2: What's what's what is it like? You know, when it was the last time that this it felt like this. I mean, I, I'm losing track, but when's the last time it felt like this?
1: For uh, you know, 2020. Uh, 2020- They were good and they won the division with Ross, but it was the pandemic year and you had no crowds, so you got no vibe, Mm. you know. Um, 2019, they'd already the bloom was already kind of starting to come off the rose and towards the end of 2019 after they won it in 16. And then in 17, they go back to the NLCS but get drummed by the Dodgers in 18. They collapsed in September. Um and kind of fellow uh, Milwaukee caught him at the end of the year and they had a one game playoff right. lost to the lost to the Brewers to lose the division then lost a one gamer to Colorado and that was that and that left a bad taste that's eighteen um, and then nineteen uh you know it it so it didn't feel like that twenty didn't feel like that. And 21 is when they traded everybody away at the deadline. When they when they went backwards and they didn't have that much worse a record than the Atlanta Braves did. And the Abra- <laughs> Atlanta Braves went for it and turned all those guys, what DeVal and Rosario oh, do, Yeah, and,
2: well, Soler, yeah, and it's Yeah. Uh, yeah. They turned
1: all that all that into a World Series. The Cubs were a very similar record and chose to go backwards and people were like, Doug, the ownership sucks. They're just printing money. Now they got their one. They're done." And it's been kind of an ugly fan um relationship um for a lot of the last couple of years. Like, is it a rebuild? Is it not a rebuild? Why aren't they spending enough? And then they had a very aggressive offseason. They got Swanson, they got Tyone, and clearly you know they they had a plan to play great defense and and have a lot of ground balls. It looked like Jed knew the rule changes were coming because yeah. Theo tipped him to it, so it's like <laughs> like he's been he's been building a roster with insider trading for a couple of years, you know um and, and so so this year's been been a lot better and then the aggressive pivot now it's like now now it's as loud as I've ever heard it, oh Not really loud. wow, oh, yeah, dude I, I was there the other night when uh, against the Reds. Just in the stands, uh, having a pop or two, and uh, when Morell had homered in the third, he's up again in the fifth, uh, with the tying runs on base, and the place is going nuts for his entire at bat. Standing with oh, one strike, standing man. with two strikes in the fifth inning on in on August second. But you, you know? know what?
2: You know what it is. It's 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 better when it's unexpected. It's better, right? Yes. It's like, well, wait, oh, wait, we get at the Bears. Oh, really, you know, getting, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. What? what, what? I mean,
1: here what's, we go. What, what's Absolutely. So it, it feels like a bonus year,
2: you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it, Speaking yeah. of Theo, by the way, um, I saw him. I was I was at the All Star game walking through the concourse, and here comes Theo walking the other way. And I hadn't seen Theo in a while. I said, hey, Theo. Hey, yeah, yeah, hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, this is Eddie. Okay, now, uh, oh, oh, now I know why you're here. It's like, I was t- I was telling Jed Hoyer that. It's like, yeah, I'm like, be Eddie Vedder's there. It's like, yeah. well. Seattle. Th- th- yeah, and Jed was, Jed was giving Theo crap. is like, used to hate the, all- the All-Star game. What are you talking Oh, I get it. It's in Seattle. Okay. But he looks so happy. It was uh-huh. like, I mean, can you ever imagine the stress of like the GM, whatever president of baseball operation um, of the All-Star game, like just wanting to get away, not be anywhere. And here he is, like walking through the concourse of the all-star game. What a life. What uh,
1: is he that's awesome? You think he's ever gonna run a team again? David, maybe David Stearns just got that Mets job. Like there were rumors that 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 Steve Cohen was going to talk to Theo or David Stearns and he goes Stearns, You know, I yeah. I I think he wants to own. What do you he, think?
2: Yeah, I think I think he may be like a little of both. Maybe I don't know. I mean, it's I, I th- listen. He can do whatever he wants, man. Like he's gonna he can demand the price tag, and I know that there's already been some teams like t- trying to to flush him out, and but mm. um yeah, I, I I think that he's. Ultimately, gonna because I think that he 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 did a good job with this man. There's no way around it. This he did a good job with whatever they did with whatever his role was and this rule stuff.
1: Yeah, it worked.
2: Like Absolutely.
1: It, I yeah. told I told him I, I'm calling it the New Deal because all the rules work together like yeah. FDR's New Deal worked together coming out of the Depression. I told him it's it's just as important to me. It it's is. like it's it wasn't.
2: I mean I must have made him feel good, number one. But, yeah. but uh yeah. So it's uh and and you know there's even been like murmurs about Boston. I you know that's not gonna happen. Um anyway, uh I appreciate you, Tom. So before you go, I do want to ask a quick question about the podcast. Um, because I just I love it. I love the idea of it. Um, and I I love talking to broadcasters. Uh and I we actually had on a broadcaster, um, John Sadak of the Reds. Oh yeah, and um, be, just because we kept we do the home run call of the day to in every podcast every day, and we kept he <laughs> kept coming back. Dave Sims, John Sadak. Dave Sims, John Sadak. <laughs> but what about uh, Tom
1: Hamilton? Not Tom Hamilton. Well, Everyone's Tom Hamilton
2: is getting a yeah a double. He's getting plenty of love from us, believe me. So Good. yeah, and uh, but so. And you've done some. You've been in the booth as well, and and I think you had Jason uh, Benetti break your break your appearance
1: down, right? Is yeah, right? yeah, man. Yeah. That was it, it, it's. So what happened? Like two weeks ago, I got a chance to do three games. I did Cubs Cardinals, the first three wins of their eight win run that the Cubs went on. Um, I, I got to do uh, color, so I did all three games with Elise Menicker doing. Or excuse me, I had to do play by play with Elise Menicker doing color. And um, it was amazing. Like, I felt like I'd been preparing my whole life for it, you know, and I've and certainly been preparing for months for it. And that week, that week I did nine innings at the kitchen table twice while watching the, the, really? the game. Oh, absolutely. Um. So, it, and so when I got there and I did it, just an incredible experience Um. because I've been doing this podcast and like really examining it. So I, I was talking to Bonetti before that, and he said, "I want to come back on and talk about it with you after you do it. I'm fascinated." So, that's what last week's episode was. But me and Benetti just talking about the experience. He kind of interviewed me um, a little bit about it because Jason and I know each other well, and like, um, you know, I'm also a singer and a, a band leader in my uh, in, in my other life, and have been for a long time. So, I, you know, Bonetti was fascinated about how like I as a performer. And coming to the technical aspects of play-by-play, whereas he learned all the technical aspects of play-by-play, and then has tried to be more of an entertainer and a performer oh, as the years go on. Yeah. You know? So that conversation was really cool, and then, uh, and then this week it's uh, it's Boog Shambi.
2: Yeah.
1: And and Boog has become a, a good friend here in the last three years. Um, and he's been doing Cubs. So I recorded this one at his house, sitting in his like little library, looking at all his books, making fun of his nerd books. You know, I'm like Boog, I didn't know Keith Law wrote so many books. You know, <laughs>
2: um,
1: but we had this great conversation because we're friends and we know each other. But it was also about play by play and uh, obviously, and about like the mindfulness of doing the games and like the whole thing. So I'm just, I'm really finding. Um, I'm finding a lot of narrative depth, psychological depth, a lot of interesting parts of of the job and talking to people and getting advice from the very best is, has been an incredible, incredible thing.
2: I I could listen to it and talk about it all day. I love it. And I love not only how it's done, how people do it differently, but also how it's changing. And, And, and really that's the big, to me, that's the biggest part of this is that, you know, when we write, or when we do podcasts or whatever it is, we can't ignore how society is consuming things, which is attention spans are different. And, and I think that a lot of broadcasters, Joe, you know, I work with Joe Castiglione. Joe yeah. Castiglione, obviously, he's done it the same way, very effectual way, excellent way. He's made his mark doing it his way. And um, but it's like his how he does it fortunately fits. How things have changed, I think, because he has a mm-hmm. fairly good sense of humor. Yeah, but there, there are other guys that it's like, okay, you know, this, you know, it's very cookie cutter. It's, it's very much about voice inflection. That's the most important thing. Um, and I don't, I don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way. I just like talking about it. I do. Yeah, I like, like talking about the changes in it.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, I like we end up really liking the voices who are themselves, whatever makes them themselves. That's a great
2: way to put it. Yeah. you know, And and
1: so like, if you're a cookie cutter, if you're like coming out of Syracuse and you sound like 30 other broadcasters that we've all heard um, and you don't show me who you are, you're not going to last. I'm not going to be interested. I want the sense of humor. I want the oddness. I want the curiosity, whatever, whatever you're into. Um, and, and along the way, I, I've been very pleased to find out that some of these people who you think might be, oh, well, this is just the way you do it, are actually really interesting people. Like my Joe Davis episode. Oh, yeah. That that guy blew me away. Like he, <laughs> he, he decided he wanted to pay homage to Vin Scully, having replaced Vin Scully. By learning to tell stories as well as he could, because nobody ever told a story better than Scully. So Joe Davis is out there reading storytelling books, like narrative books on the history of literature and stuff like that, like trying to figure out how to get good at stuff he's not good at. Like, I I love that. You know, it's it's so, so good. Yeah, it's like people. So people. It, it, when when they give a crap and when they're being themselves, I, I I agree. I could talk about it for hours.
2: What? How did you feel uh, coming away from those three games? How do you feel like you did?
1: Um, to be honest, I had a tremendous sense of pride, which is still there. I do not feel. Can I curse on this podcast? Yes. No. Yeah. Yes. I, I do not feel as though I shit the bed. You yes. know what I mean? Like I was afraid there was going to be some disaster. There was no disaster. I could have done several things better. I could have brought a little more energy at times, um, but I had great ball games and I went three and O and I felt comfortable and had a blast. And uh, I, I, I here here's the thing while I of course dream of doing it again someday and eventually for the rest of my life, because who wouldn't want to do that? Is, you is know? that your
2: dream? Is that your dream job?
1: yeah but but it may never happen i'm yeah. in my 50s man you know like who knows and, and and the truth is if it what if this is as good as it gets for nicholson right if if it's as good as it gets is that i did a weekend yeah cubs cardinals at wrigley yeah and i lived it and i did it whew, yeah that's pretty good i'll take it i'll I, take
2: it i in in i listen i you're good at everything that i've heard you do and i'm not just saying that so um I I hope you get a chance to do it again because I think that it's it's really it would be I think it would, it would be awesome to integrate you. And like you know I I just like to hear different voices. I like to yeah. hear different approaches. I like to hear uh, and and I I hear you. So I've been thinking about that. I my existence is a weird one where you know I I'm a you know a writer who you know basically started you who know, worked for the radio station and then Dave O'Brien who used to do the Red Sox games, now he does TV, yeah. he would do, had to go to ESPN on Mondays. So when there were road games, I would do those games. And then I, you know, the path of least resistance, spring training games. And then, you know, it's like, oh, well, by the end of it, I'm doing whatever. But I feel the same way. I, and, and you have to remind yourself. I try to remind myself. I'm like, this might be it. This yeah. might be the last one. And um, I'm doing these games coming up against the Nationals, and I'll think the same thing. This could be the last one. And if it is, that's cool. That's that's great. I, because I'm just a guy who filled my head with information and blurts it out. And and I know, I know, Matt, that some broadcasters like, what the fuck? Like, what is what is he doing in there? Like, oh,
1: of course. Yeah, you think, yeah Like I get I, I, I know it too. I know people are saying that, but you know what? that's all right it, it, here's oh. you know my wife gives me she gave me this be so good they can't ignore you yeah. I love that just yeah. be so good that they can't ignore you yeah. like it, it, when you go and you do do those games I'm sure you kill it man your context yeah. the knowledge that you have
2: it's just like I just like to have fun unfortunately I'm with people who also like to have fun so it's it's that's all what it's all about like you yeah, said filled fill my head for the information and is farting it out. Well, oh, you there. know, but
1: you know what it also is though, and I'm sure you feel this. Like we we are uh, satellites of this game and this sport, right? You you were a writer, a radio guy, a reporter, a podcaster, all of it, and I was a lot of that, plus a talk show host and whatever, and a writer. Like, and you 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 orbit this game mm-hmm. in all these different ways. If you actually get lucky enough to be in the booth like you have been, or to be in the booth like I have been, there's nothing closer. That's as close as you get. (laughs) Right, right. You you are part of the game for those three hours. You're not building content for after or before. You are part of the game in a different way, man.
2: And and you also stay in a level of hotel which you never dreamed of when you are a writer. I, <laughs> I don't know anything
1: that. about that. I don't know. Uh,
2: that. Let me just tell you the peninsula in uh, in Chicago.
1: Oh, ooh, it's a beautiful when, place. When, when, when
2: you put the slippers next to the bed when they clean the room, I've, they aren't doing that for sports writers. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, Matt. Hey, like, thanks so much, man. It's great catching up with you.
1: Yeah, you too, Rob. Thanks.